0: So we're going to talk about this morning, I think it's why we have the banner up, I think it's why we do everything that we're doing, is to encourage us that there is a partnership, there is an aggression when it comes to stepping into our blessing that God has for us. Amen? God wants us to live in this place. He wants us to live in our place of promise probably more than we want to live in this place of promise ourselves. And all we have to do as believers is simply believe in his goodness and in his nature. You know, I was thinking about it this morning uh, as we, you know, we have this I believe in miracles. And I think that for a long time in the church, what has happened is we've put a lot of emphasis on the word on the miracles side of things. You know, like as a preacher, uh, you know, there's certain buzzwords that I can use intentionally. Like, if you're not responding the way that I really want you to respond, I have some words that I could use that evoke a response, right? Like, I could use the word breakthrough, or I could use the word miracle, right? Like, if I'm like, I believe that everybody in this room this morning, God is ready to give us our miracle, right? I mean, that. Is, It feels good, it feels good to get a miracle. And I think that for a long time, what has happened is the church has focused on the word miracle. We're like, God, I'm ready for my miracle. God, send the miracle. This is my moment for my miracle. I'm stepping into my miracle day. We got all the things. And as I began to think about it this morning, I realized that we talk about this word, I believe in miracles. But i think that where we are in the church today is not so much that we need to be convinced that god does miracles right because i mean we hear it all the time don't we i mean we hear it with ada and isla we hear it we've heard it with sandy with emma we heard it with uh ben and jaden and you have probably experienced in your own life miracle after miracle that god has done I realize that where God is taking us is not that we have to necessarily focus on the miracle. Although, I want a miracle in my life. I want God to move. I want God to step in. I want those things. What I realize is more so what we have to begin to focus on is the word, I believe. I believe. Because I think for too long, the church has painted miracles in the light that said that they were out of our control that it was god stepping in divinely doing something i don't know how he did it or i don't know why he did it but god just stepped in and did it now if you've been with us at all as we've been talking about this i believe in miracles you realize that we're not talking about a miracle in that light any longer I'm not talking about getting a miracle because, you know, you showed up and God spun the heavenly miracle lottery wheel. It wasn't that your name got called on Heaven's Price is Right, and now you get to step into your miracle. That's not the kind of miracles that we're talking about. We're talking about the kind of miracles where I on purpose apply the faith. I on purpose apply the perspective of heaven onto my situation and I force the situations in my life to line up with the way that God said they're supposed to be. So maybe everybody around us is like, oh wow, that's such an amazing miracle. To us, we realize this was simply me as a covenant partner with God enforcing my covenant right to experience heaven here on earth. You see, that is, I believe, I, I mean, like when we talk about New Testament Christianity, I think this is what Jesus died on the cross to help us to understand. That I am a recipient of every good gift that God has given to me. The Bible says it like this. That if, Jesus, that if God would put Jesus on the cross for you, at that point, what now could you ask him to do that he wouldn't do for you, right? Like, what could I ask for from God that's more valuable to him than Jesus was 2,000 years ago? but somehow the church has made us believe that in order to get God to move in our life, we have to somehow earn it. I have to somehow qualify for it. I have to somehow do enough religious duty in order for God to look down from heaven and smile upon me. But I tell you something, that is not the picture that the New Testament paints for me. In fact, Jesus went so far As to tell his disciples, they ask him, you know, teacher, teach us how, how should we pray, right? Because they saw Jesus manifesting miracles all around him. They saw that there was nothing that was too difficult. There was nothing too challenging. There was no mountain too high or valley too low. There was nothing that Jesus didn't seem like he had the ability to overcome, If it was sickness, he had the answer. If it was taxes, he could pay them. If it was something physical, emotional, spiritual, Jesus always had the answer in order to get freedom in that area. So like any smart person would do, like if it was me, if it was up to me, this is what I would do. I would say, Jesus, I mean, bro, you got a pretty good track record. Like everything you pray for happens. Would you mind teaching me How do I do that? And Jesus releases to him this extremely simple prayer, but one of the parts of the prayer is so profound. He said, pray this. Pray, my kingdom come, my will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I think sometimes we could breeze by that because we've prayed that prayer so many times. But what Jesus is helping us to understand is that I have a right. You're not getting this. <laughs> Just the same way as my car is parked out in the parking lot. I have a right to go get in my car and drive my car wherever I want to drive my car because it's my car. Right. Are you, that's not <laughs> surprising to you that I could take my car and I could drive my car to Toronto, I could drive my car to New York City, I could drive my car off a cliff. It's my car, I have a right to do with it whatever I want to do with it. That's the kind of thing that Jesus is letting the disciples understand. You have a right. I have a right to go to God and expect, because I tell you something, wouldn't it be so mean of Jesus to tell the disciples to pray something that God wouldn't answer? Like we think, like obviously Jesus wouldn't have done that. Like that would have been cruel. I mean, no man that would have given his life for these people that he's training, is he gonna go so far as to give his life and then tell them that they can have something that they can't have? I mean, it doesn't make sense. I understand that what Jesus is doing is he's helping me to step into this reality. He's helping me to step into this place where I understand when we talk about I believe in miracles, this is not about hype. It's not that we're trying to grow our church. It's not that we're trying to get you to shout or it's not that like the words look good together. So it's good branding. We, I am convinced. I don't know about you this morning, but I'm convinced that God can actually do. Could we go there for a minute? I, I really, I, maybe it's crazy. I really believe that if God can create a heartbeat in Lexi's stomach, God can fix my relationships. I'm convinced that if God can bring a baby up out of an incubator, God can resurrect my finances. Why? Because the Bible makes it clear to me. God is no respecter of person. God's not going to do it for Bill and Lexi and not do it for you. Bill and Lexi, they didn't draw the right lottery card. They, trust me, they read the same Bible as you. They pray the same prayers that you pray What's the difference? What's the difference? Because we could all have a miracle. The difference is, can I, can I believe? Am I willing to, you know, this is in my notes. I'm going to get to my notes. You know what I love about Bill and Lexi's testimony, actually? I don't know about you, but I, it, it sometimes annoys me. You know, when... And I mean, God bless these people. They're better than me. Um, where they're like, you know, I was about to declare bankruptcy and I found the scripture that said, God supplies all my needs. And the next morning I woke up and my bank account was full of money. I'm like, shut up, you jerk, right? <laughs> you know what I love about Bill and testimony? Is... They found their scripture, and the next day, there was still no heartbeat. They declared the scripture, and a week later, it still wasn't there. I love testimonies like this because it helps me to understand something. Believing is a process. Believing is a, you know, just like a farmer, how silly would it be for a farmer when a farmer plants a seed and, sh- you know, uh, Monday morning they plant a seed and Tuesday morning they go out to their field and because there's no crops, they dig up all the seed and throw them in the garbage because surely something must be wrong with the seeds. Yeah. You're like, no, brother, like waste the money, right? There was nothing wrong with your seed. It was just you weren't committed to the process that it takes in order to reap a harvest from the seed that you sowed. You see, this is what Mark chapter four, and this is what I want to talk about this morning as I rip off my dad's notes, is (laughs) I think there is a place, there is a understanding that this life of faith. This life of believing, this life of getting miracles in my life isn't that one day I just wake up and a miracle has happened. I think that's where the wool has been pulled over our eyes, is that we felt as though there was nothing we could do, that a miracle was out of our control. But I realized something, when I look at Jesus's life, he created miracles around him all the time. But the miracles that he did were on purpose. I mean, there was no one that he touched, no one that he spoke to, nowhere that he walked, that he couldn't wield the miraculous power of God as though it was a sword in the hand of a a warrior. He understood the process of believing. Believing. And in Mark chapter four, it says it like this, listen, this is Jesus speaking, Mark four, verse three, it says, listen, behold, a sower went out to sow and it happened as he sowed that some fell by the wayside and the birds of the air came and devoured it. Some fell on stony ground where it did not have much earth and immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, it scorched and because it had no root, it withered away. And some seeds fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no crop. But, say but. 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 So what Jesus is doing right here is he's giving us an understanding. He's not talking about farming, although it applies to farming. What Jesus is doing is he's giving us an understanding of the, really what the New Testament is all about. He's giving us an understanding of the reason why he died was so that we could be transformed. That I could believe something today that's different than I believed yesterday. And because I believe something that's different today, I can reap the benefits of what I believed today, not what I believed yesterday. Isn't that true? Isn't that what the Bible says even about salvation? That the way that I get saved is that I believe something different now than I did before. I believe now that Jesus is Lord and he's my savior. And so because I choose to believe that rather than somehow of myself or maybe that there is no God, because I believe something different, I now reap a different result. What Jesus is teaching us in Mark 4 is an understanding of how do I be transformed? how do I believe something different today than I believed yesterday? Maybe you walked in here thinking that there was nothing you could do to fix your relationship. I'm here to tell you that there is an answer. Maybe you walked in here today and you're thinking that you're going to have to declare bankruptcy. I'm here to tell you that if we could believe something different, heaven is at your disposal. Maybe you walked in here today and you got a bad health report, you got a bad kid, you got a bad spouse, maybe you got a bad hairdo. I'm here to tell you that the word has an answer for every situation we could find ourselves in. And so I began to think about this scripture. Let's finish it. In verse eight, it says this, but other seed fell on good ground and yielded a good crop and it sprang up and increased and produced some 30, some 60, and some a hundred fold. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as I've already preached, let the rest of my preaching go good. That's for your anointing that it would rest heavily on here, Lord, that we, we would be believers, not just hearers, but believers. And I thank you for that in Jesus' name. Yes. I think that sometimes what we've done is it, it, we read through Mark chapter 4 and we put a lot of emphasis on the fourth soil, don't we? So what we do. Because I want to be the fourth soil. That's what I want to be. I want to be the good ground that when I sow seed, when you put that money in the offering or when you sowed love into your relationship, I don't want that love to just be sown and then to just die or wither somewhere. I want to reap 30, 60, or 100 fold. And so what we've done is we have said, I don't want to be one of the three soils. I want to be the fourth soil. And that's amazing. But one of the things that I realized as I was reading this a little while ago is Jesus was actually giving us instruction from all four soils because just like i can look at because you know what i realize is that because we all say this i want to be the fourth soil don't we oh i want to be that good soil i want to be the good soil that grows but you know what i realize there's no description of what made the good soil good you know what i'm saying like i don't know about you but that sometimes can frustrate me about christianity like when i'm looking for an answer and I'm like, oh, you know, there's, I have this problem in my life. And somebody comes up to me and they're like, let's pray about it. I'm like, yeah, let's pray about it. But I'm also looking for an answer. Like, I'm not just looking for like the religious answer. I'm actually looking for you to help me out and give me some wisdom here to get an answer. I think that sometimes what can happen is we could read Mark chapter 4 and be like, yes, God, I want to be the good soil. I'm good soil. But it's like, what, what? what actually makes soil good? Yeah. You ever think about that? I wonder those questions because I think that sometimes we could focus on the fact that we want to be good soil and that's amazing. I want to be good soil too. The issue has been, how do I actually make the soil of my heart good? Now, I realized something. Jesus was giving us four types of soil the three types of soil that are bad actually give us a lot of information about what makes them bad and no information about what makes the good soil good. So through my extreme intellect and powers of deduction, I realized something instead of trying to focus on being the good soil because it's so ambiguous. I realized if I just simply make sure that I'm not one of the other three types of soil. I mean, if there's only four, like it's not like there's 4,000 and God only tells us about four, it wouldn't work. But there's only four types of soil. There's only three tricks the enemy has up his sleeve in order to steal that word from your heart. So instead of focusing on being good, I'm going to focus on not being bad. You see what I'm saying? Because if I'm just not bad in this scenario, like not all scenarios, I don't advise you to like train your children this way. I feel like it's good, you know, train up a child in the way they should go. You don't train up a child in the way they shouldn't go and hope that somehow they figure out which way to go. Here's a little parenting advice from my six weeks of being a parent that I've learned. But in this scenario, it works. In this scenario, I realized that if I could simply just not be the other three, I qualify. I, it's like I safeguard myself from all the areas the word, the seed has in order to not be fruitful. You with me? Like midnight? Is it 11 o'clock at night right now? Did you guys get enough coffee this morning? Decaf. You should know better than that by now. All right, let's do this. Because faith is directly linked to what I think about. Faith is directly linked to that was. I mean, your testimony this morning was amazing. But you realize that faith did not mean that all the doctors were going to line up with their faith testimony. Faith didn't mean that the situation was gonna line up and then because it lined up, now I can have faith that it's gonna line up. Faith doesn't mean that everything around you is gonna go good. It doesn't mean that everybody around you is gonna speak the right things over your situations. Faith means that I am, I am. When I have the ability to think wrong, I am going to think right. right. When I have the ability to be afraid, I am going to have hope. When I have the ability to be angry, I am going to be loving. Because faith is not moved by the situations that are around it. Faith is moved by the word. And so what I have to do is I have to understand this all starts up here. It all starts up here. It all starts inside of my mind. What am I focusing on? Okay. So the first type of soil that I don't want to be is the soil where it says this. And it happened as he sowed that some fell by the wayside and the birds came and devoured it. So what I realized from this is that something happens. Like right now, as I'm speaking to you, there's something that's happening. I am, if you could see in the spirit, I am really just scattering seeds, right? I am simply just giving you Uh, not me, the word, I'm I'm preaching to you the word. And so it's, it's not just, you know, rhetoric or it's not just opinionated seed. This is the word. So I'm scattering seeds of the word. That's what I'm doing right now. If you saw in the sphere, that's what you'd see. I'm like dressed probably in overalls. I have a hat on with a piece of straw coming out of my mouth right now. And I am scattering seed because I'm a farmer. And instead of you being you, you're actually a pile of dirt in a good way. But you're really just piles of dirt right now. And each of us right now, there is seeds that are falling on our soil. That's what's happening right now. The the seeds that we talk about of the word of God aren't necessarily that I have this amazing moment where the heavens part and my emotions are just right and I have goosebumps and someone speaks that perfect word that makes me want to shout. That isn't just when seeds are being released. Seeds are being released all the time. In fact, in my life, I go as far as to say that everything we think and do, those are all seeds. So right now what's happening is there are seeds that are being scattered onto you pieces of dirt and we all have the option of what are we going to do with those seeds. So I understand the first type of soil then is the soil where um, I am scattering these seeds. The word is being scattered to you and the enemy comes quickly to try to steal the word, okay? Now, we've all experienced what this feels like, okay? It feels like when I say something to you, and you're like, nah. Oh, that guy's just trying to hype me up. Oh, they're just trying to take up a bigger offering at the end of this. I know it. He's going to do an offering at the end of this, and they're going to ask for more of my money. Oh, you don't know what the doctor said to me. They said it was incurable. Oh, you don't know. It could never happen. My husband, he hates me. (laughs) And what happens? The word that has been sown into our heart, immediately the enemy comes with our doubt and he steals up that word. Even though in that word is enough power for, for me to absolutely transform my surroundings to be like heaven on earth. My doubt steps in and the enemy then comes and plucks up the word and I leave and I'm never changed. Now, as I begin to think about this, I realize something. The easiest time for a seed to be stolen is when it's fresh. How many of you would rather pull a seed out of a ground or a tree? Maybe you'd like to pull a tree out because it would probably be cool. But for ease, we would all rather pull a seed out rather than pull a tree out. So I realized something. When the word is fresh, when I'm just hearing something, something new, when I'm being preached at, when somebody is encouraging me or they're giving me a potential new outlook on my situation, I realize that that moment is when the seed is the most delicate. That in fact, in these moments as I'm hearing the word are when I have to be the most protective of the things that I'm hearing. Why? Because this is the first type of soil, as we'll read, is the easiest place for the enemy to come and try to introduce doubt. Because he'll do that. I could talk to you about God wanting to bless you. And it's amazing how through your mind floods all the situations that you have lived through that would tell you that your life is going to be anything but blessed. You ever notice that? That I will talk about healing, or anybody will. You could read the Bible and it will talk to us about healing. I will read through that. I will realize that by his stripes, 1 Peter two twenty four by his stripes, I was healed. And the very first thing that pops into my mind is the fact that my back is hurting. Why? Why? because the enemy comes immediately to try to discredit the promise of God so that I stay where I am rather than step into where I can be. That's always what happens. That's why I realize when I'm sitting in church, I have to be very aware of what are the things that are going on in my mind. You know, I don't know that I'm ever more distracted than I am than when I'm sitting in church. It's like, I don't know why, but I always want to hold my phone. I want to like text people. I got to check out my Instagram stories. Why? Because the enemy is doing everything he can in order to steal the word. Because if you have no seed, you'll have no fruit. So what? I have to realize when thoughts enter into my mind, because they're going to, Negative thoughts, can I like set you free here? Negative thoughts are, are, are not evidence in your life that you have no faith. And sometimes we could be so condemned by the fact that we think negative or we feel negative or, oh, there's that thought again, oh, there's that thing again, oh, there's my backache again. I tell you, physical symptoms are no evidence to us of what's going on on the inside of us. That's why when the word is being sown into my heart, what I have to do is I have to make sure that I force myself to focus on what is the word that's being spoken right now. Because if the enemy can't steal my attention, he can't steal the word. If he can't steal my focus, he can't steal the word. If he can't get me to focus on something other than what God is telling me from his word, then I know that I'm not that type of soil. Mm -hmm. The second type of soil is a little bit different. It says this, that the seeds fell and it was good, but they fell on the stony ground. And so because of that, it didn't have much earth. It didn't have much dirt. And so because of that, when uh, uh, when the sun came, it was able to dry out that seed. So it came, it fell. We got past soil type number one. I was able to, you know, keep it and guard it and cultivate it so that the birds or the thoughts or the emotions weren't able to tell me that that word wasn't true. I got past that, but then I got to the second type of soil where I just didn't, I didn't have enough earth. And so because of that, Jesus tells us that it's not, In our physical life, it's not just, you know, it's not just about keeping the soil, but it's about having the depth. The Bible goes on to tell it like this, that this is talking about people who receive the seed with joy. People who receive it with joy. Why? Because I'll tell you something, pressure is coming. right? That's going to get you to come to church next week. Can I give you a good word from the Lord? Pressure, it's coming. But you know, sometimes I realize that pressure, we feel like pressure is a bad thing. Pressure, at least in my life, it's becoming this way. Pressure is becoming evidence that something good is actually beginning to happen. Why? Because I realized something. I realized that the only reason why the enemy is bothering me, the only reason why this thing in my life is flaring up is because I'm actually beginning to make some ground in this direction. You know, the worst place to be is living in a place where the enemy isn't bothering you. You know, for a long time, I prayed that. I used to complain, well, used to in Jesus' name, But in this scenario, I used to complain all the time. And I can remember like my life, you know, when you're 20, you think your life is challenging. And then you turn 30 and you realize, oh, the troubles that I used to have if I could have them back, right? (laughs) I really, when I'm 20, I used to say this all the time, I used to complain, I would talk to my mom and I'd be like, you know, mom, like, can the devil just leave me alone for five minutes? Right? Because that girl that I like, she broke up with me, and like that was my biggest problem. <laughs> and I can remember that. I remember being so bothered. But I realized something that the fact that I'm being buffeted, the fact that I'm being challenged, the fact that I feel pressure is actually that I'm beginning to make some ground in the area that I'm believing. The fact that I'm even on the enemy's radar simply means that I'm doing something that he notices that bothers him. I'm actually getting to the place where it seems like this month I have less money than I had last month. Yes! Yes, baby, yes! I'm sicker today than I was yesterday, yes! Why? Because I realize The only reason this pressure is here, come on, the only reason I'm feeling this pain, the only reason it's getting worse is because something is starting to work. The faith thing is actually beginning. The seed is actually beginning to take root. The seed is actually beginning. It's I've gone from step one. I've persevered with it. I've protected it. Now I'm in stage two, and the way that I know I'm in stage two is things, they get worse. And sometimes I think we don't want to hear this because we think that God's plan means that we're going to live on easy street. I mean, that's why I got saved, right? Not you? No. Because I'm thinking, man, I'm going to get saved, and tomorrow morning everything is going to be taken care of. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! I receive, God. <laughs> but no, God uses pressure. He uses pressure to make us better. Yeah. The Bible says that tribulation, persecution, afflictions, those things, that is, those are catalysts to our faith. Yeah. That if I'm never buffeted, if I'm never... Challenge if gold is never heated, if metal is never pounded, it simply remains the way that it always was. I don't know about you, but I don't want to remain the way I've always been. I don't want in some areas of my life tomorrow to look like yesterday. I don't want to come to church and sacrifice all my time and energy and effort so that my life never is different. But that means that I have to be okay with the fact that sometimes it's going to get a little tough. It's going to get a little challenging. It's like I tell you something, if you go to the gym and you leave the gym and you're like, wow, that was easy. I'll tell you something, you didn't do it right. (laughs) I remember, I can remember when I was first starting to work out. I asked somebody for advice and their advice was, don't leave until you can't move. (laughs) Why? Because if I want growth, come on, like, if we want, if I want growth, I have to be willing to go through the pressure. But it's a mindset change, isn't it? Like my dad jokes about all the time, I don't work out as much as I would like to, but he jokes about it all the time about how you know he doesn't work out and I work out. He probably works out more than me at this point in my life. But he makes the joke about how working out, how doing something that's so painful. Like I can remember, I did air squats the other day, and I woke up and like my legs were just burning. Like I'm like, oh, I hate this. But it's amazing how we can do something that we know is going to be painful. I know it's going to hurt but somehow I've changed the way that I think about it to the place where now, if you talk to somebody like Mario who goes to the gym all the time, if he wakes up the day after and isn't sore, if he wakes up the day after and isn't tribulating, if he wakes up after sowing the seed of working out and doesn't feel the pressure it's upsetting. It's troublesome. I feel like I need to do it again. I need to work harder. I need to, why? Because I'm looking for pressure as evidence. I'm not looking at pressure as though it's opposition. I'm looking at it as though it's evidence that the word is beginning to work. So the third type of soil then that I want to not be B it says this, that some seeds fell with the weeds and grows, but produces no crops. I think this is the, I think this is the most challenging of soils. I think this is the, I think Jesus left it as the third one because it was kind of like level three. Like, you know, if you're playing a, uh, a video game, is you get to, you know, level one is fairly easy. Level two is, you know, decent and level three is unbeatable unless you have the cheat codes at which point you could beat them. I think that this is, the, this is the area, the third type of soil where we sometimes so easily can fall into. Jesus went on to define this type of soil where instead of weeds, he defined weeds in our modern vernacular and he says it's the worries of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desire for other things. They enter in and they choke out the word and it becomes unfruitful. The worries of the world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desire for other things enter in and choke the word. It's this soil where we have to be determined. Because like I was saying earlier with Bill and Lexi's testimony is, you know, they quote the scripture, right? Right? They have their thing where it was Luke something, that she will be whatever. Something. something. (laughs) (laughs) But the next day, there was no change. There was no difference. There was no miraculous turnaround. There was no miracle. There was no baby, at least, that they could tell. There was no difference. And this is where the word says it like this, that the worries of this world, the cares, another translation says, the cares of this world where they have the ability to enter in, where my fear, my worry, the anxiety, the thoughts that maybe this will never change. Because we all have those, don't we? Like you feel really good right now, at least I hope that you do feel really good right now and you're like, yes, we could do this. And I'm gonna be the good soil and yes, it's so awesome. And then you get the mail tomorrow and your bill is twice as big as you thought it was gonna be and you're like, God, I hate Alex. He's such a jerk. (laughs) Pressure of my eye. (laughs) I want it to be easy. Right? Why? Because at this level, this is where we have to hold on to the word. This is where, like the scripture says that, you know, we're in this amazing process right now that Jesus talked about, that there was two men, the two types of man, and one of the man built his home on the sand, and one of them built his home on the rock. You see, right now, for a lot of us in a lot of areas of our life, we're living in houses that are built on sand, and no condemnation, we're all there in different levels, but in our process now, while we're still in construction of our new house that's built on the rock, uh, there's still some things that can happen in our life that make us feel as though the footing that we have underneath us is very unstable. Because how many of you know, quoting a scripture and getting a bill in the mail feel very different? I can't hold the money that the word could potentially be, but I could hold the bill, right? Right? Uh, uh, I could quote the scripture, but when the doctor tells me that I have something that can't be cured, how many of you know those things feel very different, right? When there's sickness in your child or when your relationship is falling apart, that feels very different. It feels like that is actually solid ground and the word is just some fleeting thought or idea. This process of soil is where I have to allow my reality to change, And not necessarily that my outward reality is going to change because how many even know my inside changes before my outside could ever change? I think that's the challenge of believing is that I have to believe that my miracle is here before my miracle can ever get here. I have to believe that my miracle is done even though my life is telling me that it's anything but done. That's what this soil is all about. It's all about, can I believe the word more than i believe in my situation can i stand on the scripture speaking life over my baby when the doctor tells me she's gone can i speak life over my finances when the bank is getting ready to take my house because i tell you something We love the other side of the story, don't we? Like, I cried at the end of Bill and Lexi's testimony, even though obviously I know that Isla and Ada are alive. I still cried because it was like, yes, God, the miracle is so awesome. And I love the miracle. But the process, the day-to-day, the holding on, the... Forcing myself, you know, when you get the, the pain in your stomach and you feel like nothing is there and you feel like something bad is happening, am I able? Yes. Can I hold on to the seed? Yeah. Can I hold on to it? Can I hold on to that promise? Mm-hmm. Can I hold on to that word? Yeah. Can I hold on to that prophetic voice? Because what, the Bible tells me simply that if I could just avoid those three types of soil, then my heart becomes good soil. But I tell you something, it's when we leave here that it matters, right? It's when I leave here. Because when you leave here, you take your problems with you. Right, is It's true. Like, we could spiritually or symbolically leave our problems at the altar, but how many of you know if you take your gas bill and you lay it on the altar and you choose not to pay your gas bill? <laughs> right? Canadian Niagara Power doesn't take spiritual seed as payment. They want you to pay your bill. So we take our things with us. And this is when it's, it's easy, right? When we're in church, it's easy for us to feel like, yes, I'm going to do it. Yes, I'm going to do it. Yes, I'm going to do it. But I could remember in multiple times in my life, the Lord would ask me, Alex, what, are you, what have you put in place in your life to make sure you don't just go this way, but you remain here? Because I tell you something, in Bill and Lexi's testimony, thank you guys, you're like great material for me today. It wasn't that they found the scripture, right? I don't even know that scripture was written 2,000 years ago, but their baby was still not there. Even though the scripture existed, that she will be whatever she's going to be, like Luke wrote that thousands of years ago. So it's not that there is the scripture for your problem, because there is. There is. There's no issue that you could have that you cannot find an answer in the scriptures. So it wasn't that they found the scripture. Like, thank God they found the scripture, but that wasn't enough. It wasn't like they were reading through one day and magically they got to Luke chapter 6. And, you know, they read Luke 6, 15 and like, wow, God, there's a baby. That, That would be weird. It did not happen that way. Because something that I'm confronted with all the time is that these are, just, these are just words on a piece of paper. There is no power in the fact that this scripture says the word and or the word therefore. There is no power in that. The power comes, hear me, when I believe this truth more than I believe the doctor's report. That when the doctor comes to me and says, there is no baby, I can look at that doctor and say, you're wrong, there is a baby because this is what Luke tells me about my baby that's alive in me right now. The word of God has power. It becomes activated when it's inside of me. John 15 says it like this, when I am in the word and the word is in me, it's this moment where like there is this meshing, there is this molding. Like when you take two different colors of Play-Doh and you work them so much that they literally become one color, you can't tell the difference. You can't separate them any longer because they have become one. It's in this and it's, I'm in the word and the word is in me. There is no differentiation. There is no me outside the word and me in the word. It doesn't matter if I'm in church or if I'm in the doctor's office, I am the word. I am the word and my situations don't change the fact that I believe the word. I believe in miracles not because I've seen the miracle. I believe in miracles because I believe the God who does the miracle. I may have never seen it. It may seem impossible. Maybe no one has ever done it. But you know what? It doesn't matter because I believe God. I believe God. I believe if God can put a baby in Lexi's belly, God can put joy in my heart. I believe not because I've seen it, not because I feel it. A farmer doesn't wait for the crop to be sprung up to tell people that he sowed a seed. He knows. He knows that when I sow the seed, I'm already making plans for what I'm gonna do with my harvest because I'm convinced that if, G- if God would put Jesus on the cross for me, what then, what else, what more? What could I ask for? What problem could I have? What situation could I face? What issue could I have in my life that he wouldn't also give me that answer? So, Father, this morning, we thank you. Lord, it's our desire, God, not just to know about the word. It's not just our desire to memorize scripture or to think these things. Father, our desire this morning is that we would become the word. I don't want to just know about you. I want to be in you. I want you to be in me. I don't want to be moved by my situations or my circumstances or my problems. I don't want to be moved by limits, opinions. I don't want to be moved by reports. But Lord, collectively together, I know that I could speak for all of us. Lord, we choose. I choose to be moved by the word. I'm moved by the word. I build my house on an immovable foundation. I've been given the name that's above every name. Lord, we declare we believe. We believe in miracles. We believe in miracles.